is the Venny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Good evening and welcome along to the Vinnie White Show. This is News Talk 1010. Yes, indeed. For the next hour, you will listen to, well, you'll hopefully listen to the Vinnie White Show. It is, in fact, a journalism bento box. News in one section, opinion in another section, thorough research in yet another section, sprinkled with facts on absolutely all of the sections, and a section which appears to contain some sort of rotting whale blubber which overshadows the whole beautiful creation. It's recorded live in, this week, Tokyo, Japan. Yes, I am coming to you from Tokyo, Japan, where my girlfriend came out here for a conference. Usually, I'm in Toronto, and uh, I thought, well, if she's coming out for a conference, free hotels, then uh, I'm going to come out, because I love her. Free hotels. And uh, obviously, that's the only reason, other than... um, you know, just seeing her and spending time with her. Free hotels. Totally free. They're really expensive over here. Yeah, her work's totally getting everything. So yeah, that's why I'm here. Definitely for her and her alone, because she is the apple of my eye, the love of my life, and free hotels. Uh, recorded live from Tokyo. That's where we are, or uh, where I am. She's gone out, thankfully. Otherwise, it would be quite weird. Um, uh, here we are on Sunday, July the 9th, 2017. News Talk 1010, in-depth radio. Loads of stuff coming up. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit about Japan, but we'll also talk about the news and shenanigans that have gone on this week, including, of course, the G20 success story. And how do the Australians look at it? There's one excellent report that we'll be playing from an Australian that sums up the whole G20 fiasco in less than three minutes in one of the most beautifully delivered diatribes I think I've ever heard. Certainly outside that of comedy and late night television. It was and is an actual report. I'll play it later. It is glorious. Uh, So yeah, we'll look at that and of course the latest goings on there in Canada, which I miss dearly. Uh, However, I have to say, I don't mind this 35 degree stuff. It's all right. It's proper hot here in Tokyo. I've had a good uh, time so far. I've looked at a few temples. Uh, I've been to Osaka and then on to Kyoto, uh, which couldn't sound much more Japanese unless it was being yelled by a fat man in a tight pair of pants surrounded by paper walls. Uh, There in, uh, where was I, Kyoto, you can see uh, all kinds of stuff. Loads of temples um, that date from like 1200, some of them. Uh, most of them have been burnt down and popped back up again. Very resourceful people, the Japanese. And uh, so they're still in their former glory, but looking slightly newer than they probably should do. That was pretty impressive stuff. And then from there, I went on to Tokyo, uh, where I'm speaking to you today, uh, by Japan's Shishkanshen otherwise known to you and I as the bullet train. Yes, I was on a bullet train today, first time in my life. It's incredible. Uh, The bullet train, its name comes, of course, from its shape. Uh, They were going to call it the vibrator train, but it's a very conservative country. Uh, Also, no one wants to worry about vibrations when travelling at its maximum speed. Uh, The train, which I can only describe as making Canada's Via Rail look like a donkey pulling a three-wheeled cart. Maybe an asthmatic donkey. Uh, It's so unbelievably high-tech that it feels like the Starship Enterprise, with slightly quieter doors. Since we're on the... I know it's a slight deviation from where I was going, but I do need to to tell you this. Here's a great fact for you. You know the Starship Enterprise doors? That is a man just saying... Yeah, it's a dude just going... 
Well, I can do a door. Fantastic. He's got to be happy with that. It was used in every episode since. Anyway, back to Japan. Uh, the bullet train is about three metres wide, which makes it feel like you're more in a Boeing 747. And uh, it's nearly as fast, actually. The top speed of the train that I was on today from Kyoto here to Tokyo was... Uh, I don't know if it hit it, but it is capable of 443 kilometres an hour. 443 kilometres an hour. That's 275 miles an hour for Americans and uh, backward Brits. Uh, so earth-shatteringly fast that the entire track is made on an elevated concrete skyway that banks around corners. So it's like a, well, a roller coaster, I suppose, but slightly less terrifying, uh, although at times... I may have let a little one slip, uh, particularly when it got up to 400 kilometres an hour. It, it sort of banked like the the corners of a cycle velodrome. Um, where if you voted for Donald Trump, it's like a NASCAR track, but m much bigger without the Budweiser logos. Um, anyway, it's amazing. Uh, the thing about the bullet train is, right, I got on it today thinking, God, this is new, isn't it? And then I remember seeing, I remember like going to a railway, railway museum some years ago in um, England, and I remember seeing a bullet train and reading that it's been around for a long time, right? How I think now about how long the Japanese bullet train has been in operation. Just let it come up with a year in your mind. It's not as new as you think, okay? A train that does a top speed of 443 kilometres an hour first ran in which year, do you think? Okay. Winner, Ganyao. No. The answer is 1964. On October the 1st, 1964, only nine days before the opening ceremony of the first Summer Olympic Games in Tokyo, they ran the bullet train and it's been running ever since. It's now carried 5.6 billion passengers between Tokyo and Osaka. And that line, that original line, has been expanded and now you can bullet your way all the way around Japan. It is incredible. In 1964, we hadn't long finished the Gardner Expressway. 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 Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. I mean, you look at the Lakeshore of Toronto, you know, the Gardner Expressway, or, you know, Britain's as bad, the M25 motorway around London, for example. We're like Stone Age compared to the Japanese. Prehistoric, burping, gluttonous idiots. Cave-dwelling simpletons. We've barely discovered fire, and these guys are flipping omelettes. It's unbelievable, this thing. And all of the technology, everywhere. We'll get into the toilets later. Not literally. Yeah. I'm surprised we used the wheel yet. These guys have got... In fact, speaking of that, they don't even use the wheel. Now, the bullet's not quick enough, so they use maglev, right? Elevated trains that run on magnetic uh, repulsion. Something I'm used to. And, uh, yeah, faster than the bullet train. They go up too. What is it? I can't remember. I think it's something like 600 kilometres an hour. Which ba You're basically flying. So, um, yeah. But then I think that's a lot about us, isn't it? Like, you know, Toronto. I don't know if we'd spot a savvy long-term infrastructure investment if it was dressed in a bikini with high heels on. We're very small-minded, and the Tron the uh, Tokians, or should I say the Japanese in general, are very huge-minded. But there is a cost to that, and that is all they do is work. 
So, you know, next time you're drinking a beer, watching your flat screen telly, thinking, this is pretty good. Yeah, it is actually, because if you're a Japanese, you'd probably still be in the office. It is by far and away, without any close competitors, the hardest working nation in the world, quite often doing 16 to 17 hour days, depending on what industry you're into. And if you go home in front of your boss, if you go home before your boss, it's very much frowned upon. So you wait till the boss leaves, you bow, and then you usually just fall asleep before starting the whole torrid affair once again. So there is a price for all that hard work, despite the fact they managed to build sexy things like bullet trains and have toilets that are mind-numbingly weird, which, again, we'll get into later. But Tokyo really needs to be looked at in the eyes of facts, and here is probably the biggest fact of them all. The metro population of Tokyo is bigger than the population of Canada. Yes, it's about 38 million people in one enormous, admittedly, city. The downtown, downtown bit is about 14 million, but it never really stops. It just goes on and on and on. And if you encompass the entire metro area, which is about mm, two, about 3,000 square kilometres, uh, it is in fact 38 million people. I just can't get my head around that. And sometimes it does feel like it. Which is why they have a man that pushes you onto the subway trains. During rush hour, his job is to push people onto the subway trains. Which means a lot of people get groped, because a lot of men are sexually repressed, probably because they're always working. Which means that it has led to women-only carriages, women-only cars on the trains. Uh, which I found myself in today and found myself very quickly kicked out. I, it was an absolute accident, by the way. Uh, my girlfriend led me in there thinking that I was a woman. You would think that by now she'd at least had a look at some of the most important parts of me. But apparently I uh, have a very uh, female undertone because she led me in there and then I was led very hostilely straight out of there into a normal person's carriage. There are no male-only compartments, carriages, cars, of course, because males... Uh, frankly, uh, don't have a problem with being felt up by women, um, mostly because it doesn't happen, but I should imagine if it did, some men here and else parts of the world would be quite happy about it. Let's get into some more things about Japan. I want to tell you a couple of things that I've noticed since I've been here. The first observation I had is there's signs everywhere, overwhelming amounts of information. Now, nearly all of it, of course, is in Japanese, which to a layman like me looks like a child went wild on a heavily inked typewriter. Um, they are just lovers of information. So much so, you see signs that you would never see anywhere else. I'll give you an example. Outside the bathrooms in airports and at train stations, there's quite often a map of the floor plan of that bathroom before you enter it. So you can work out how many stalls that bathroom has before you even walk into it. How many sinks does it have? How many spots does it have where I can relieve myself? And at what angle to the mirrors are they? Why walk in and find all this out when you can plan your trip just outside the crapper? I've never seen it. I don't know if anyone ever looks at them. But if you want the information, it's certainly there. Once inside the bathroom, no matter where it is in Japan, welcome to the world of the Japanese toilet. A toilet that, amongst other things, warms your bum, squirts water in the nether areas. If you're a lady, squirts water in the frontal areas, although I've heard not with enough propulsion to make you spend any great deal of time in the toilet. And uh, they just generally do everything you want, including 
Why would you want to make the flush noise when you can waste, that will of course waste water, but why would you ever want anyone to hear you pee? Well, they've got the answer here in Japan, and the answer is quite simply, the sound of rushing water can be played through speakers inside and around the back of the toilet. So, if it's, you're having problems going and you need to hear that lovely sound of trickly trickly mctricklyson, then all you need to do is press the running water button. But do be careful when you get up because the jets could still be pushing out water on the B-Day function and if you get up too quickly while that's happening, they continue and you could end up with wet panties. Not in a good way. The other thing you'll notice in Japan is on the streets of Japan, and I mean pretty much all of them, including all the back streets of any metro metropolitan area, you'll find vending machines. Now the Japanese have an ageing population and pretty much no immigration. More on that later. So throw in a love for automation and it all makes sense to have a lot of vending machines. There are so many vending machines in Japan, there is one vending machine for every 23 people. One vending machine for every 23 people. You can get anything. Beers, burgers, ramen to radishes, probably. I don't actually know if you can get radishes, but you can get ramen and burgers. And let's keep it important. Beer. I've been doing that a lot. Uh, you can do that wherever you want. Walking home from the pub, uh, fancy a nice cheeky little traveller, get yourself to the beer vending machine. Yeah, the love of vending machines is so intense that they have some of the weirdest vending machines in the world. In fact, don't take it from me. Take it from this American dude that lives here. If you want to go out and get anything from a vending machine at any hours here in Japan, it can be done. Some stuff you really think, do we need that? Here's some of the best vending machines in Japan. The weirdest vending machines ever. Lettuce vending machines in Japan. The Chef's Farm. This nature-friendly vending machine produces 60 heads of lettuce each day, all hydroponically grown and lit by 12 40-watt fluorescent bulbs, eliminating the need for sunlight. You don't need a green thumb to enjoy these, just a coin or two, as each of these machines provide a healthy and nutritious snack. Currently, these machines are only available in Japan. What a crying shame. I'm always so embarrassed to buy a lettuce. Rhinoceros beetles. These creepy critters develop a large horn just like a rhinoceros. And like most animals with horns, there's always a bit of competition to see who's got the bigger horn. For 100 yen, you can get your hands on one of these horny beetles, which make for great pets, apparently. Due to their low maintenance, they are popular pets for school children, who in turn use them to battle with other kids. Their beetles are kind of like real-life Pokemon, which they use in battles. They are relatively easy to care for, and for just 100 yen, they're a cheap, low-maintenance pet, or a full-blooded battle companion. <laughs> 100 yen, by the way, is about one dollar. I mean, we had conkers when I was a kid. Yeah, 100 yen is about one dollar, so bargain for a rhino beetle. I'll, I'll have seven. Canned bread vending machines in Japan. Canned bread has been somewhat popular in Japanese vending machines for years. And for just $4, you can get a can of bready goodness in a variety of flavors, including chocolate chip and coffee. The verdict's out on the taste, but if you ever have the munchies at midnight and craving a sandwich, this machine might just be for you. Yeah, I think the verdict might be out on the taste because you've never tried one and nor has anyone ever, apart from uh, the drunk and or mentally ill. Bra vending machine. 
Yet another kooky Japanese invention. These bra vending machines dispense a fresh pair should you need one. Available in a plethora of colors and a sizing chart printed on the machine for a perfect fit. It may not be of Victoria's Secret quality, but for 30 bucks, who's complaining? Oh, I don't know. Probably your doctor when you go to him and complain of the fact that you have a piece of wire lodged in your back. Diapers. We Go Babies has come up with an ingenious idea. Diaper vending machines. If you're a parent or have younger siblings, chances are you've had a diaper emergency. Instead of lugging around a changing bag, these vending machines contain everything you need to clean, change, and re-diaper your little ones. Let's just hope you didn't feed them one too many mushy peas. <laughs> it doesn't really matter if you fed them one too many mushy peas, because if you didn't feed them mushy peas, you fed them something that looks very much like mushy peas, because that's a baby. What do you feed your baby? Beef steak. Anyway, you're listening to News Talk 1010. We continue with a few more weird vending machines that you might find here in Japan. Porn vending machines. This one's definitely a weird one. Vending machines are usually filled with quick snacks, but porn? The machines contain pornographic magazines, which can be purchased for a small fee, so you can go about your business on the run. The machines have built-in curtains, which block the content during the day, but are open at night, and have reinforced prison bars to prevent people from breaking in and stealing all the goodies. Yeah, you know, or you could just go online. Use schoolgirl panties. Japan. Of course. As if the Japanese didn't have enough unusual vending machines, they can add used schoolgirl panties to the list of the weirdest vending machines. These vending machines are a Japanese invention that reportedly sell used panties. Back in the 1980s, young women could make some extra cash by selling their used underwear to shady old men in back alleys. For about 500 yen, you could get a pair of these reportedly used panties and go about your business. A small price to pay if you have a used underwear fetish, I guess. <laughs> also coming soon, gym socks and t-shirts that have been worn for six days by travellers. I mean, come on, come on! You're listening to News Talk 1010. My name is Vinnie White. You can download the podcast at vinniewhite.co.uk. You can listen to the show every week at newstalk1010.com or iHeartRadio and you plenty of other ways of doing it i'm sure we'll be back with more right here on the vinnie white show thank you for listening stay with us quick break and we're back and we're big in japan this is the vinnie white show on in-depth radio news talk 1010 you're listening to The Vinnie White Show here on News Talk 1010. You can listen every week at 9 o'clock here on a Sunday night here at Newstalk1010.com or iHeartRadio. Or if you miss it, you can download the podcast on iTunes. Just type in Vinnie White. That is my name. It has a weird spelling. V-I-N-N-E-Y White. Have a look at that. Uh, download it. And if you wouldn't mind, give us five stars, would you? Go on. Go on. You know you want to. Even if you don't. Could you? Thanks. Turbot. Buttered spinach, beef and glazed potato wedges, and a fruit dessert. Mmm, sound good? Of course it does. It's the menu that's always published whenever there's a G8 or a G7 or a G20 or a G whatever it might be. And the menu's one thing that we can get our head around. Food, edible, put it in your stomach, nice. 
What's difficult to get your head around is what the hell goes on at these G20s? What on earth do they talk about? What's the atmosphere like? Now, of course, in the Canadian press, it's often dominated by the charming good looks of Justin Trudeau. And on the British press, it's quite often demonstrated by the fact that Britain seems to be propelling itself quite fast into a void of terrible failure abyss. However... What happens with the good old Yankee Doodle Dandies? Well, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, there is one man baby that always takes the press. And normally, when we do a G7 or a G8 or a G20 afterwards, I do some attempt at a very acerbic report that runs through the general shenanigans that went on and uh, reviews the situation. But you know what? Sometimes you just have to hand the baton over to someone that's better at it than you. And this time, it comes in the shape of a reporter that works for ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. A bit like the CBC or the BBC, but, you know, down under and a bit hotter. So, what is it all about? Well, this guy gives his review of exactly the mood, the temperament and the goings-on of one particular man. Yes, that man. But he does it in a way that has to be described as somewhat poisonous. I give you... ABC. What we already knew, Barry, that the President of the United States has a particular skill set, that he's identified an illness in Western democracies, but he has no cure for it and seems intent on exploiting it. And we've also learned that he has no desire and no capacity to lead the world. The G20 became the G19 as it ended. On the Paris Climate Accords, the US was left isolated and friendless. But given that that was always going to happen, a deft president would have found an issue around which he could rally most of the leaders. And he had the perfect one, North Korea's missile tests. So where was the G20 statement condemning North Korea, which would have put pressure on China and Russia? Other leaders expected it. They were prepared to back it, but it never came. There's a tendency among some hopeful souls to confuse the speeches written for Trump with the thoughts of the man himself. He did make some interesting scripted observations in Poland about defending the values of the West and he's in a unique position. He's the one man who has the power to do something about it. But it's the unscripted Trump that's real, a man who barks out bile in 140 characters, who wastes his precious days as president at war with the West's institutions like the judiciary, independent government agencies and the free press. He was an uneasy, lonely, awkward figure at this gathering and you got the strong sense that some of the leaders are trying to find the best way to work around him. Donald Trump's a man who craves power because it burnishes his celebrity. To be constantly talking and talked about is all that really matters. And there is no value placed on the meaning of words. So what's said one day can be discarded the next. So what did we learn? We learned that Donald Trump has pressed fast forward on the decline of the United States as a global leader. He managed to isolate his nation, to confuse and alienate his allies and to diminish America. He will cede that power to China and Russia, two authoritarian states that will forge a very different set of rules for the 21st century. Some will cheer the decline of America, but I think we'll miss it when it's gone. And that's the biggest threat to the values of the West, which he claims to hold so dear. Take down. Oh yes, take down indeed. Chris Ullman there with scathing comments. Uh, from ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Let's all look forward to when Trump responds to that at 4am with many spelling mistakes and 100% hate. (sighs) 
You're listening to the Vinnie White Show. We're back for the last segment in this wondrous broadcast from Japan, live-ish from Tokyo, on today, Sunday, July the 9th. You're listening to News Talk 1010. This is the Vinnie White Show on In-Depth Radio. News Talk 1010. You're listening to The Vinnie White Show here on News Talk 1010. Good evening and happy Sunday to you. I hope you are doing fantastically well. So let's have a look at some of the news from this week, starting with this. The Vatican outlaws gluten-free bread for Holy Communion. Uh, oh, it's the... I'm celiac. Uh, Vatican outlaws gluten-free bread for Holy Communion. Bread? used to celebrate the Eucharist during Roman Catholic Mass, must not be gluten-free, demands the Vatican in new news. Although it may be made from genetically modified organisms, the Vatican has ruled this. It's a fact. It's going ahead. In a letter to bishops, Cardinal Robert Serra said the bread can be low gluten, but he said that there must be enough protein in the wheat to make it without additives. Uh, Roman Catholics believe that bread and wine served at the Eucharist are converted into the body and blood of Christ through a process known as transubstantination. Transubstantination. Or transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. I mean, let's be honest, if you ask the 1.2 billion Catholics, nearly 1.2 billion of them would say, yeah, that's right, trans-sub thingy-bob. Yeah, that's it. That's what we do. So there you are. Uh, The wine used must also be natural. So you can only have bread that's got no gluten in it, and you can only have wine that's, quote, natural from the fruit of the grape, pure and incorrupt. I guess you can't have a Smirnoff ice. All of this is put in place by Cardinal Robert of the Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments at the Vatican, or the Bread and Wine Police, as he's not known there. Uh, Celiac Catholics must smuggle their own evil bread into church, proving once and all that they are manifestations of Lucifer on Earth, apart from my friend Karen, who's nice. All of the others, evil. In other religious news this week, the US has had a weird one. Yes, a US priest pulls out his gun in Florida during a road rage incident. Nothing says priesthood like gun crime? A North Carolina priest this week faces assault charges after he pulled out a gun in a road rage incident, officials say. They say the priest, William Brian Adams, was driving near Palm City in Florida when a pickup truck that had been following his Chevrolet Corvette... Let's just pause there for a second. Priest in the Corvette. Understated. Anyway, uh, apparently the pickup truck came out in front of his Corvette closely and it tried to overtake him. Mr. Adams did what anyone reasonable would do. He pointed a semi-automatic handgun at them and uh, two people in the other vehicle immediately phoned the police. Mr. Adams, 35 years old, been a priest for some time, was arrested on Friday after the victims reported the incident. He was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon without intent to kill. Ah. I know the Catholic Church is struggling to recruit new membership, but um, but that I don't know if that's going to help. I don't know, actually. Maybe in America that will help. They'll be like, hey, man, that guy got a gun. I love guns. Let's do gun things. Yeah. Live on the line from Toronto, it's our usual. The flower 
in my garden that is Amanda Capito. <laughs> the flower that's in your garden? I'm a bit tired and I've had a couple of beers, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, I don't really know where that came from. I think you're, just not, you're a very sunflower-esque being. You're very happy and bright. That's, I think, where I was going. Thank you. That's a good save. Are you good at taking compliments? Because some women are quite bad at it. I think you're all right at it, aren't you? I don't know. I, I define being good, just like that you that I accept them. Well, I've got a friend of mine, and if you say to her, oh, your hair looks nice, she'll say, well, why don't you like my eye makeup? You're not like that, are you? No, no. You've got to take what you get in life, I always think. Yeah, and sometimes it's a bit awkward, but I'll I'll make a joke of it if I feel awkward, you know? Like, I don't know, I'd say like, oh, this old thing, or get out of here, you know, just like, play it off. Yeah, you smooth dog. I try, ah, I try. Get your hands off my buttocks. Um, so <laughs> tell me, I miss Toronto, I want a little update, what's been going on and how are you? Um, Toronto's been great, it's been hot, a little bit rainy, but can't complain. It's been good, Canada 150 was last weekend, it... Did you celebrate from away? Yeah, I did. I had some Vietnamese foe in Vietnam and climbed a temple, as I always do on Canada Day in Canada. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's a bit weird. Uh, but yeah, I certainly noted it as much as I could do. I was going to go to, if I was in London, I was going to go to the um, Canadian Embassy. There's a massive embassy in um, Trafalgar Square in central London, which celebrates it. And apparently it's the place to be in the whole of London because... Thousands on thousands of Canadians turn up and drape themselves in flags. But unfortunately, I missed that. And of course, I wasn't in the city. Now, you were in the capital, Ottawa, where, from the, according to the reports I read, it was a bit of a washout. Bad weather and big lines. But you're always an optimist. I'm sure it went well for you. What happened? Yeah, it, I mean, it was raining on and off, but I wouldn't say the weather was horrible. Like, it was warm, at least. And I mean, I was always just ducked into a bar when the rain came down, so I can't complain. I thought it was fine. And I, too, draped myself in a Canadian flag. It was the first time I actually bought one of the big, the huge ones to, like, wear as a cape. But mm. the dollar stores, like, ran out of all Canada gear. So my friend went a couple of days before to get some extra little tattoos and stickers and whatever, and it was just the entire Canada section was just empty. The only thing left, she said were travel pillows like that had that were red and said Canada on them. Everything <laughs> else was gone. Yeah. And that makes sense because <laughs> no one was traveling away from Canada for Canada Day. So no one wanted the travel pillows. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a desperate attempt at patriotism. But, you know, if you have to. <laughs> yeah. You can always kill a live beaver and then, uh, or kill a dead beaver once you finish with it and uh, drape that around your neck. You yeah, know. that's disgusting. Or maybe if you club a seal and uh, or, oh and or moose. Why do we have animal cruelty? I don't know, but I've took took that road quite a long way down to the bottom of that chasm. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine in England calls Canada Day Treason Day because you left us. I'm oh, all right with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to get over it. It's been a long enough time. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it and the festivities there. Ottawa's always good, even when it rains a bit. Uh, I'm in Japan. I want to throw something by you. Okay. Vending machines. There's one vending machine for every 23 people, and a lot of the vending machines sell anything from 
used knickers, let's not even talk about that, let's not even bother, Two, and far more savoury thing, beer. Do you think that if we implemented beer vending machines on the streets of Toronto, it would go crazy? Obviously, yes. We're like alcohol, like the alcohol situation in Ontario is ridiculous. We all know that. So like, we're not even asking for vending machines. We're just asking for alcohol to be in freaking convenience stores. <laughs> I just want to buy a bottle of wine at seven o'clock on a Sunday. I don't even need it in a machine. Don't I just want it. to be able to get it. Yeah. Yes. Like we're begging for basics here. So it's quite interesting that this this country has almost zero crime. I mean, obviously that's the gross exaggeration but by comparison to most western countries of its size uh, population it has incredibly small amounts of crime just today i must have walked by 100 unlocked bicycles one of them in the center of downtown tokyo it's really weird and i think a lot of it is because the culture here is quite set up for it so if you steal something and you get caught then you suffer, obviously, but you bring great shame upon your family and there is nothing worse in the world. It's like your Italian culture on crack. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, Captain Capito? Yeah, gotcha. So I wonder if that's something to do with it, like that's how they manage to have beer vending machines but still be respectful, respectful, passive and fairly groovy people. I'd like to do a social experiment. I'm not sure it would go down very well with Kathleen Wynne's provincial government, where we just put up vending machines for three years and see if after three years everyone's parted themselves out and calmed down a bit. Yeah, and like, what's the worst that can happen? What is actually the worst that's going to happen? You say that, you sounded sarcastic. Did you mean that? No, I meant it. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? People are going to buy beer. Like, if people are going to buy beer, they're going to buy beer. Well, I think once you know you can get a beer at three in the morning, you don't run around desperately clubbing, desperately trying to get home, fighting over kebabs and all that, because it's like, well, I can just get it. The age limit thing. What about age? Well, that's a bit weird, actually, because I heard that the only way you can get beer out of one of the vending machines is to wave your government-issued ID, and it scans the barcode, works out your age, and then produces it. But I thought, well, I haven't got one of them because last time I checked, I'm not Japanese. I just bought them and it just let me. So I could have been a kid. Well, that's weird. As long as it scans, it's fine. If you could have anything in a vending machine available to you 24-7, as is the nature of a vending machine, what would you have outside your house? Um, Probably either... Freshly made pizza or freshly baked bread. Ah, see, I thought you were going to go for Nutella. I, I was thinking chocolate, but the thing is that would get old fast. Like, you wouldn't be able to continue. Like, it, you can't keep that up. Mm. But pizza, I could. Like, pizza, I really could. got a cafe here that's entirely made of vending machines, so there's no human contact. I'm going oh. to it tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to it tomorrow. And one of the things they sell is burgers. Is that all right? Do you want a burger from a vending machine? I mean, I'd be interested to see what it looks like. It might be really good. And if it isn't, there's no one to complain to, is there? <laughs> this is how artificial intelligence is going to take over our world. Have you eaten anything else weird in Japan? Oh, I've got a confession to make. I, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I'm always honest, so... Do you want to hear something, Amanda? Yes, of course. Do tell. I wasn't in Japan. I was in Vietnam last week. And 
I decided to point at a random thing on a menu, thinking, what's the worst that could possibly happen? Oh, no. Please don't judge me. I promise I didn't know. I only ate a little bit of it, and then I threw the rest in the river that I was sat next to. Um, I ate some dog. Oh. I know. I mean, that's bound to happen, right? It's there, but that's pretty gross. And I didn't recognise, because it's a French word, chien, but it had loads of, because it's Vietnamese, they had loads of accents and umlauts and things around it, and I thought, I don't recognise that word. Once it served up, I took a picture of the menu, pointing to that item, WhatsApped it to a friend of mine and said, do you know what this means? Because he's Vietnamese. And he goes, yeah, you don't have to be Vietnamese, you can be French if you want, just get rid of all the accents, you'll see. It says chien, dog, how was it? I'll tell you what it was, it was bloody disgusting. I mean, morally, it was something to question my entire being of, but also, yeah. it's just, it's like, um, you know, do you like tofu? Do you like it? Uh, depends how it's made, but yeah, I do. How about tofu fried up and then injected with fat? Does that sound nice? Ew, no. <laughs> so it was really fatty? Oh, I don't even want to think about it. I just, I'm thinking of a whimpering pup. Well, that's the thing. Afterwards, you can't look at dogs... I've seen loads on the street since, and I've got, I have flashbacks. Oh, my gosh. you got to, like, donate to a dog shelter or something so that your karma gets good again. Yeah. yeah actually, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Dogs, you are going to have a good time from Vinny's pockets from now on because <laughs> he ate one of your brothers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. I'll give back. Yeah, I just think throwing money at problems solves things. That's just a fact. Look at the American <laughs> way of life. <laughs> thank you for taking pity on me, Amanda. And thank you for your lovely input, as always. I'm sorry I didn't get to ask you a few more questions. Generally speaking, are you all right, mate? Yeah, I'm good. We'll catch up next week. Okay, do you want to do some more next week? Yeah, let's do it. The always lovely, ever so bright sunflower of happiness. That is Amanda Capito live on the line from Toronto. You're listening to me, Vinnie White, live on the radio in Toronto, coming to you somehow from Tokyo, Japan, uh, home of vending machines and lots of cartoons. Didn't mention that. I'm not sure where all the graffiti artists are because it's so clean in uh, Japan that you end up thinking... That this that something like a normal part of Western fabric is missing. You get on a bullet train, and yeah, admittedly, it's hard to see graffiti at four hundred kilometers an hour. But even when you stop, you realise that all of the railways have absolutely no graffiti on them, and very few buildings have graffiti on them. And then I suddenly worked out that they've all become cartoon artists because apparently you can't sell anything or do anything here in Japan unless you have a cartoon of some kind of impossible animal. Anything from a Pikachu to a Flibbity Blue to a Blibbity Blah to a Bling Blong. I don't know. I don't know. Not really my thing. Magna's big. Or is it Manga? Manga. That's it. See, I'm not really into this. Manga's big as well. And the whole comic book thing. And it's quite interesting, actually. When you're on the subway here, the most efficient subway, the cleanest subway in the whole world ever, ridiculous. TM. Um, you quite often look up at men in business suits, just come from an important meeting, reading a comic book. And maybe that's a lesson for us all. I like that. I don't know why, but I think it's probably a good idea to take ourselves less seriously. Although I'm not sure the Japanese are the best culture to provide that anecdote. I'm not sure they take themselves not seriously. <laughs> but I, I like the cartoon comic book thing. 
anyway, next week I'm live from Korea, uh, Seoul, I think. Well, that's where I'm landing anyway. I'm going to go and see a friend of mine, uh, and we'll talk to him live on the radio about all the goings-on in Korea before I finish this Eastern tour. I'm basically like a DJ, um going around on tour but i seem to have forgotten my decks uh i don't dj and therefore i'm not making any money but i am i'm definitely rocking the tour bit and that's certainly the most important uh so the eastern tour concludes next week in korea until then i wish you a fantastic week in toronto i hope the weather continues to be at least half decent and a big love to everyone in Canada. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to download this show, you can do so at vinniewhite.co.uk, V-I-N-N-E-Y, white.co.uk. And you know what you really need in your life, as well as that podcast? You need a canvas print from mrphotocanvas.com. mrphotocanvas.com provides canvas prints for Toronto at a ridiculously cheap price, and you pay on pickup. Definitely nothing to do with me at all, other than the fact I own the company. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Ta-ta for now. Keep it real. Bye now. <laughs>